we are in the thriving generation. I think we need to call that out. We love to complain that we can't be homeowners, and we post about it from our $1,500 smartphones in our air-conditioned apartments. You know, people making six figures, right. a third of them live paycheck to paycheck. Yeah. And you're going, if I made six figures, I would never. Listen, lifestyle creep is real. It's not all your fault, but it's your responsibility. What's holding them back from going, if George can do it, I can do it? What I find is that the Ramsey plan, the one that I followed to go from broke to millionaire, is often, it seems too simple. Being faithful in what was in front of me was a key to getting to what was next. Time plus effort is undervalued in today's society. What do you say to people who are going, okay, I get it, but I just feel like I can't wait or it's too late for me. I appreciate this, George, but I've already gone out and blown it. Well, number one, there's hope for you yet. Number two, it's not too late. And number three, it's always going to take longer than you think, and it's going to be so much more difficult than you think, and the path will never be a straight line. You'll always end up there and go, that was amazing. It strengthens you, and it, it makes it to where there's nothing that can stop you. Credit card debt is at an all-time high. Interest rates on credit card debt, all-time high. Student loan debt in the trillions of dollars and continuing. The financial system is broken, but worse, people are broke. They don't believe that they can live on less than $100,000. The system has got everybody confused, and it's time something changed. So that's why I asked my good friend George Campbell to come in and talk about the traps and the trends that keep people broke. You're going to love this. Here is our conversation. So do you think that there's any generational change in the way people view money? So let's just in our in our conscience, you've got the greatest generation, right? You've got boomers, our parents. I'm an Xer, you're a millennial, now we got Gen Z. You're paying attention to money trends all the time. I'm just curious, is there that much difference between the human condition and how we play around with money, how we do it wrong, what we fall for? Or do you think there is an actual real difference now in 2023 in these younger generations of what they're falling for? Well, every generation loves to blame the ones that came before them That's for all of their I money asked. problems. Right. And on top of that, they all think they're smarter because they go, I'm not falling for what the boomers fell for. Right. I'm going to fall for buy now, pay later, right. you know, or student loans or whatever it is. But and so there's a lot point, of animosity between the generations. But buy now, pay later is not new. We just called it layaway when we were kids. Exactly. And you need to wait until you paid to get the item. Yes. Nowadays, you get it now. Oh, so that, that, you're right. Okay. We're a very convenient same culture. concept. Yeah. I can't afford it. I just need it now. Well, the what's the difference with the younger generations is we there's no patience because we grew up in a world where it was everything all the time, 24-7, instantly, or it didn't happen. Right. I grew up with, you know, prime two-day shipping. Right. And so in that world, we can't wait 10 years to go buy a house. Right. If we can't do it next year, we feel like right. failures. While the boomers tell us, you got to get a house, you got to get a house, when they got their house for $30,000 back in the 70s and 80s. You know my kids. You're affectionately known as Uncle George. Means a lot. You've seen them grow up. I need your hot take. Because um, I'm, I'm rolling my eyes on this one. It's irritating me. Okay. But I'm telling Stacy, let it play out. They're going to have to learn the hard way. This is it. Josie, my youngest, and Chase, my middle son, they are both now using DoorDash mm. for, well, I don't want what you and mom are making for dinner tonight. And they're getting on their phones and just going, I'm going to DoorDash it? They're threatening to do it. They don't have money, do they? She does. They do. 
Wow. They're not using my money for this because I can put a stop to that. Yeah. But the other day, you know, Josie still in her sweetness asked for permission. Can I can I DoorDash something from Starbucks? Oh my goodness. Josie, you're too smart for that. Go ahead. Take it away. Uh, well, first of it's all, it's her money. Yeah. This is her take. She can it's do what my she money. wants with it. And I and so Stacey's like, stop that. I go, it's her money. I want her to learn that convenience will crush your bank account if you're not careful. But this is the new world we live in. I'm just bringing this up to you. This is These are teens going, I'm not even going to go to Starbucks anymore. I'm just going to DoorDash it. What say you? Well, is this a trap or can it be managed? It's, it's a trap for those that don't have the money to do it, which is most Americans. Now, some people do it occasionally for the convenience. I have the money to do it, and it physically pains me anytime I, I use it because of how much of a scam it is. Number one, yes. they raise the prices. Of so if you course. went to Starbucks, the latte is six bucks. Right. You get it through DoorDash, it's seven. Right. Then there's the two ninety nine delivery fee. And then you got a tip. Don't be a jerk. You know. I know. Don't they think, well, I'm not gonna tip the driver, it'll right. be fine. That eh, poor soul's out here trying to pay off some debt or whatever, doing their their side hustle, and they deserve a tip for doing right. the most for right. you so you right. could have your precious latte. So on top of that, there's all kinds of different fees. But it's one of the greatest ripoffs because what happens is you get a $7 burrito bowl that you end up paying $20 for. Right. And you do that time and time again. You wake up and you spend $1,000 on eating out. We have to cut this and I have to play this on the TV in the living room. I'm going to sit all the kids around. Josie, listen, I love you and I want better for you. And I know you're not using debt to do it, which is adding more insult to injury. She's got a credit card connected to DoorDash. But it's still silly. And, you know, kids don't listen to their parents, but they'll listen to somebody else. You should teach her how to make a great latte at home. That could be a great bonding experience. What's that going to set me back? Because you're somebody that I really go to for the finer things that are in the range of coffee. Uh, There's a budget version. Saving money yeah. hacks. What is a latte machine going to set me back? I would go, if I was you, I'm not you, but if I was you, I would I go like for like a, a $99 Nespresso machine. Okay. All right. You get the pods for about a dollar a piece. Okay. You just hit a button, the espresso uh-huh. is made, uh-huh. and then you get a little hand frother. Uh-huh. She can get her milk of choice, her little sweeteners, pump, uh-huh. you know, the syrup pumps that she likes. Yeah. And you can show her how to do it at home for a fraction of the cost. I'm talking yeah. maybe a fifth of the cost. Oh, no, I get that. But see, this is leading me to what I want to talk to you about next. It's not about cost to these kids. To your point, their whole life has been unbelievably convenient. Oh, absolutely. We're in a thriving generation. I think we need to call that out. We love to complain that we can't be homeowners. And we post about it from our $1,500 smartphones in our air-conditioned apartments. So there's a problem here where I'm seeing a lot of videos comparing life as it was in the 1930s and how much cheaper things were. And I'm going, do you know what life was like during the Great Depression? How are you comparing your life here where you have access to so much opportunity, to so much this whole gig economy that exists now that didn't exist even 10, 15 years ago, and yet we're sitting there blaming everything else for our problems instead of just going out and controlling what we can control. The yeah. guy in the mirror, the gal in the mirror. Right. It is literally, it's like the conditions are so tough on me, I can't, so I won't make any changes in my life. Is that What's what it, I'm hearing you it's say? It's just pure cynicism. Yeah. Okay. So here's what we're going to do. I'm I'm pulling a great audible. Okay. I'm is going that a to, sports reference? Yes. Okay. Thank you. I, uh, here's I didn't what understand. I'm do. I know audible is the audio book. Right. This is going to be great. Okay. So now here's what you're about to see. This is a guy, and I'm going to give you the premise. The whole video title is... $100,000 salary is the new middle class. Ooh, that's a hot take. I know. It's a horrible take, and we're going to destroy it. I'll I'm let, but it. I'll let you go first. 
because I want you to challenge what he does in the video. This is so up your they alley. They call me George in the fact, Destroyer Camel. <clears throat> the new middle class. I was looking at the numbers of our bills and even when we pay off our mortgage, our basic necessities is going to be $3,500 a month. Let's break this down. So even if our house is paid off, we still have $1,000 a month for our house payment because we have property taxes, homeowners insurance, HOA, electric, water, ADT, internet. So it's $1,000. Our health insurance and car insurance is about $800 a month. Our groceries are $1,200 a month for me and my wife. This is We spend about $100 every three days. And that it does include paper towel, trash bags, etc. But everything at Publix, twelve hundred a month. We've got gas for one fifty. We have a cell phone for one fifty. We have a senior dog Benji that we take good care of. He's two hundred dollars a month, and we also have a hundred dollars for services like Netflix, Hulu, Dropbox, Zoom, things like that. So it's $3,500 a month. This is with no car payment, no debt, no student loans, no house payment. It's still $42,000 a year after taxes just to have this. And that doesn't include savings, investing, traveling, gifts, hobbies, date night, anything like that. So we would need, even with our house paid off, in my opinion, about $100,000 to feel like the new middle class or upper middle class. So this just shows you how much the cost of living is skyrocketing. All right. A lot going on there. I feel like this plays right into what you just said. That yes, I've seen his victim. videos. These numbers are not realistic. No. Well, and the fact that he was like, well, we go to Publix as if it's the only grocery store you can buy groceries from. That. And it's also known to be one of the more expensive grocery stores. But don't we think that $1,200 a month for two people is a bit much? That's a lot. $100 every three days? I mean, <laughs> I imagine there's a, there's a lot That's of... That's absurd. Well, he didn't mention there's probably a lot of eating out happening. There's probably a of lot of money leaks. Of course he doesn't mention several things. $100 in subscriptions. Does he need all of the subscriptions? Probably right. not. And again, this is a thriving generation. We right. have access to all of these subscriptions. Yeah. And, you know, he's inflating the whole, I don't have a house payment. It's going to be $1,000 still. Yeah. I don't, that's that's right. a little bit of baloney okay, there. Okay, so let's let's push into this a little bit further. Because this is the kind of stuff, this, this thing is a this very is popular video. And by the way, all of his videos are just this. They're right. just meant to rile people up. 100%. Zero solution. Right. Just going, right. don't things suck? Thanks, yeah. like and subscribe for more financial advice. Right, yes. Thanks, buddy. Yes, for more doomsday and despairing content, click on my video. And here's what this does. This creates class warfare. Oh, yeah. Because when you say things like $100,000 salary is the new middle class, this creates... This stuff is not innocent. Well, first of all, he added that all up. It was forty grand. Yeah, so that's what I want to go that's to. That's not $100,000. I know. So let's talk about that. Because you coach a lot of people all the time on the Ramsey Show and in person, all right? Somebody comes to you and goes, all right, George, I make hundred k gross. And I'm saying that's not... That's just... I, I have $3,500 a month in base needs. There's a lot of margin there. Wouldn't you say that to somebody? Yeah, I mean, even after taxes, let's factor that out. Let's call it 80 grand. Yeah. I mean, we're still talking over six grand a month. That's right. So if a $3,500, let's take his video, $3,500 is what he says his base needs are. All right. Um, and now he's, let's say his net, his take home is, what did you say, 65? Well, a net from 100,000? Yeah. I'm going to go 80. I think right. it's closer to 80. Right. So 6,500 bucks a month, let's right. say. That's what I'm saying. So he's got 3,000. To cover some investing, based on his video, rent, all of those. Well, things. Well, remember, he didn't have his paper towels and toilet paper, and the way they spend on groceries. Apparently, good lord, I can't imagine what they spend on. Toilet I go paper. about once every two months, and I do a Costco run to get my TP and uh, paper towels. Yeah, yeah, and you do that. You're big on the uh, Kirkland brand. Love the Kirkland brand. And How again, much is I'm, that going to save? You? I'm shopping smarter. You're going to save five bucks easily on the yeah. pack right there, yeah. just yeah. by going with a generic brand, right. not going to Publix right. for your paper towels like an insane right. person. All right, so let's bring this full circle. 
How absurd is the statement that a hundred thousand dollar salary is the new watermark for middle class? Well, here's here's where he's right. If you're drowning in payments, you'll never have enough. Right. If you have the average car payment, which is over seven hundred bucks, you got the average student loan payment over four hundred bucks. You're drowning in credit card debt, which could easily be a hundred, two hundred bucks, three hundred bucks for the minimum payment. You start to add all of this up on top of an, a mortgage that you weren't ready for, right? Because you said, "Well, I'm paying two grand in rent. Why not pay two grand for the mortgage?" Right. Except it's not apples to apples. Home ownership has a lot more expenses built in yeah. that make it wildly expensive. So when you add in all that, all of a sudden you go, "A hundred grand is not enough." And we see the stats. Yeah. You know, people making six figures, right. a third of them live paycheck to paycheck. Yeah. And you're going, "If I made six figures, I would never." Listen, lifestyle creep is real because yeah. guess what? You have to play the part of yeah. the six-figure salary. All right, so let's go right to this younger generation. So we got Gen Z. Certainly millennials are in this discussion. Let's take Gen Z. So no one's innocent in this picture. Nobody. There's no like this no. generation has figured right. it out. There's sucks and awesome across the board. Of course, but let's just talk about what advice you give them. You've got every college senior in America sitting in a room and they're going, I have to make $100,000 coming out of school we know this is true and date a lot of them are expecting to make somewhere between 80 and 100,000 and they Oof. think they've got to make that to actually have a shot at surviving what are you going to do in a seminar when you walk them through what their expectations should be not on salary but on expectations of what living costs should be what are you going to walk them through just a basic fundamental plan to kind of give them the right perspective number one i would tell them it's not all your fault but it's your responsibility so many of us have just fallen into this path that was that we were led down by guidance counselors and yeah. parents and college marketing to where we went, get good grades, go to the school of your dreams to get the job of your dreams at all costs. Yeah. And what that meant was take out as many student loans as you need. You got to have a nice, reliable car. So you got to get a new car on payments yeah. and you got to have your credit card to build your credit score and whoops, couldn't pay the monthly balance in full. And so all of this starts stacking up to where we can't breathe anymore and we go into adulthood wondering, is this it? Because this American dream sure feels like a nightmare. Yeah. And so I would tell them, we've got to temper our expectations. And once you graduate, you're not going to have a $100,000 job and you might need to pull some side hustles just yeah. to get rid of the debt to get to some financial foundation where you have no debt and an emergency fund. And that's what we've been teaching for 30 years. But they're not. if they can grasp it early on when they're in college, their adulthood, it's going to hockey stick. Yeah. And you've done this. Yeah, I lived it out. I mean, I had student loans. So I had the credit card. Let's cards. walk through your quick timeline. Yeah. So you graduate from college. How much debt did you have? This was 2012. I graduated with 36 grand in student loan debt, and then I accumulated about four grand in credit card debt. And your first job was at? Full time salary job was here at Ramsey Solutions That's right. back in 2013. What were you making? Uh, that was probably in the upper 30s. Upper that was 30s. my start. And that was after I did an internship that was like part time, right. hourly wage. Got a full-time gig right. later on, probably making 37 or Were 40. you married at that point? No. So single income. How tight was it? Oh, my goodness. Well, what I didn't realize was what student loan payments would actually amount to in my monthly budget. Yeah. So I get here. I make a budget for the first time after going through Financial Peace University, and I right. went, okay, my credit card bills, the car, the I didn't have a car payment, my student loan payment on top of rent. I had a roommate. Yeah, okay. And That's so that good. helped, but it still felt tight. I couldn't do a lot of investing. I couldn't do, I needed to get out of debt to free up, right. you know, five, $600 worth of payments I was making. Were you naturally, or from your upbringing, because you have awesome parents, uh, were you naturally on the frugal side and so you were able to make it work or were you paycheck to paycheck or were you in a negative balance at that point? So first job, yeah. only making $36,000. 
What yeah. was your situation? Well, at that point, there was no margin, and I was playing the credit card game because okay. I thought, if I can get the cash back, this makes it all worth it. And I grew up in a family that was very frugal. My, my family's Middle Eastern. Um, right. they, they fell for some of the American money traps when they immigrated right. here. But we were just middle class. We weren't struggling. Right. We weren't you know thriving with tons of wealth. And I mean, I would have gotten student loan debt if we had the money to pay for it. So were you uh, making up for some of the living expenses on the credit card? A little bit here, a little bit there? Yeah. And a little bit of lifestyle. You know, you you graduate college, right. you, you get the big boy job. You want to go out. You want to have a good time with your friends. And so that was part of it is kind of covering the lifestyle on the credit card. Right. And buying, you know, music gear or whatever it was at the time, my hobbies. Right. And I didn't have the money. to. I didn't have the fortitude to just save up and pay cash for things. That wasn't a concept or muscle that I had really built. All right. So that was, let's call it 11 years ago, where we're at in the story. Yeah. What's your net worth now? Uh, probably our household net worth between my wife and I is about $1.3 million. Okay. You did that in 11 years? Did you launch a course? Did you go zero money down in real estate? I am a W-2 employee. I'm not an entrepreneur guy who like leveraged an Airbnb thing while starting a laundromat business. I just used my salary, my greatest wealth building tool, my income. Once I got out of debt- That's what I want people to hear. How many promotions, or let's just say how many different gigs at Ramsey Solutions did, did you have until you got to the point where you are now? I, uh, this is probably my sixth job here at Ramsey Solutions in 11 years. Six I was not a person, I didn't start out in a front facing role. No, not at all. I was behind the scenes doing social media and email marketing and all that. So the key was what? How did you get there? How in the world, because you weren't making crazy money, you're making good money now, but you were not making big money. How did you do it in 11 years? How do you get that net worth? Obviously you married some with Whitney. She's awesome. But, but you did this and you paid off all your debt. I mean, you guys paid cash for a house. How'd you do it? Well, the first part was realizing that debt was a thief. And so getting out of debt using that debt snowball method was huge because that got me to a baseline where you have a positive net worth when you don't have any debt. Right. And you've got a little bit of money in the bank. So I get the emergency fund. I pay off the debt. I began investing into our Roth 401k here at Ramsey. Um, And then I just continued that 15% every single month for years and years. That adds up. While getting promotions over time, which means that 15%, that slice of the pie grows as well. Right. And uh, I had a townhome previous to being married to Whitney, sold that, had a little bit of equity from that, got married to Whitney, bless her, she's smarter than me and better looking. Right. She had no debt. So we start off our marriage yeah. with both with a pile of money in the bank and savings, no debt, and we decided, what if we got crazy and saved up a huge down payment on our yeah. on a very modest townhome and went hard at it to pay it off in our yeah. early 30s. Yeah. So, so that was a, a piece of the puzzle. Yeah. So repeat those stats. Over 11 years, you paid off how much in debt you were able to amass how much in investments? So over that period of time, let's see, 15% over, and Whitney has had a job here at Ramsey for the last, you know, eight years. I've been here over 10 years. So over that time, you know, we had, we each now have six figures in our investments here in our, just in our 401k. We're not right. doing anything fancy. Right. Now, no single That's what stocks, I want people to hear. Just the four right. diverse mutual funds that we teach here at Ramsey. You know, I probably have over 300000 in my 401k. She's got over 100000 And between that, plus a paid-for house, yeah. plus, you know, two very modest vehicles right. and our savings in the bank, right. it adds up to $1.3 million, Yeah. By the crazy. way, uh, for people that are new to you that are young, you've got a really awesome Tesla, but it's how old? 10 years old. 10 years old. But it doesn't look 10 years old. And I'm not a fan of electric vehicles. Be the first one to say I like old school cars, and I just like. But it's a you great love that revving engine. I do, but but I love the way your car looks. Thank you. So you've got all these you've got all these trappings of success. 
Yeah. You're I mean, how old? I'm now 34. 34? A ripe age of 34. So I, I, I guess my point is, is in asking you all this is a lot of people, young people, that are, let's say they're 24, 22, 23, 24. 34 is ancient to them. They are, You are ancient to them. But, you know, they're on YouTube. They're watching you. You've had tremendous success. You understand what this journey is like. You're not, a, you're not an old Xer like me. You're a millennial who, who helps and connects with a lot of Gen Z. What is it that they don't see in this story that they keep going, I just don't know, I don't know, I don't know. What's holding them back from going, if George can do it, I can do it? What I find is that the Ramsey plan, the one that I followed to go from broke to millionaire, is often it seems too simple. They have to find something more complex, more complicated. Is it too slow? Something trendier, something faster, because they, in their mind, can. 10 years is like, I'll be retired 10 years from now. I can't wait 10 years to amass any level of wealth. Right. So instead, I'm going to be the hare instead of the tortoise, find every shortcut I can, uh-huh. be distracted by all of the traps and noise out there on TikTok and Instagram of people telling me there's no hope. You have to arbitrage some debt and leverage this real estate in order to have any amount of wealth before the boomers steal it all. And that mentality is leaving people broke for a longer period of time. Yeah. When I cut up my credit cards and I ditch debt, I built wealth so much faster than when I was trying to play this game built by a debt industry, right. leaving me in a rat maze. Right. You're one of the nicest people I know. I can't imagine what you look like when you're angry or sound like. So I'm, I can get persnickety. Okay, I would like to... I can't yell. Can we channel some of your persnickety? Are yeah. you able to pull it up upon demand? On command. I've never, I haven't tried. All right, we're going to try it. All right. And I'm serious now. Because you give great talks all over the country talking about the traps and the trends. So in that traps and trends thing that gets you, what what makes you persnickety, dare I say, angry right now? And I'm saying this, you're not mad at young people. You're not mad at people in general. That's not what I'm talking no. about. But what makes you mad on behalf of people when it comes to traps and trends? What, like, when you think about it, and I really, like, I see you pursing your lips right now. Oh, yeah. I, I think I might get some real persnickety-ness, if that's a word. Yeah. What makes you upset right now? Well, I channel this in my new book, Breaking Free from Broke, because the first two thirds are me railing against this debt system. All right. Rail away. So here's Hot the topics thing. go. Here's what I think: the wool has been pulled over the eyes of these younger generations to where they think these debt companies are their friend, right? That they're going to beat the system, that they're smarter than these, you know, huge conglomerate corporations sponsoring the Taylor Swift tour, and right. they think they're winning when they get 2% cash back right. and they're arbitraging their debt, they're saying, I'm not going to pay off my debt, Ken. I'm going to, what if I invest this and I can make more money here? Yeah. And they're playing these games that are really rooted in fear, greed, and pride, which right. I call the three stooges of wealth building. Right. I like that. That's at the root of it is they think they're smarter. They're they're scared. Yeah. And so they're, they, they're in a corner. They feel they're backed into a corner. So yeah. I've got to do something drastic and shortcutty in yeah. order to make it. And there's greed where they just go, I want $5 million tomorrow. We had that call on the show. This 18-year-old, he said, uh, how do I turn $100,000 into a million dollars? And it got, we posted this on TikTok. It got like 20 million views and people are messaging me going, I want to be like that guy. And I went, he doesn't even have $100,000. We dig into the call. He does, it's all hypothetical. Right. Went, I need to turn 100000 into a million six years from now. Right. And the question I asked, and you'll love this, was why? If you just keep asking why, what you'll get to is the scared toddler inside all of us. Right. That's throwing a fit. That that's thinks right. they'll never get ahead with money. Right. And I'm just so sick of the hope stealers throwing noise into the mix, yeah. telling them that they need to do crazy things that are leveraging risk in order to get ahead. And it drives me crazy. 
because our plan is so simple and it works every time. Get out of debt, stay out of debt, live yeah. on less than you make, invest for the future consistently in yeah. things that are diversified with less risk, and you're going to be fine. It feels like the reason the Ramsey plan just doesn't seem appealing is because it takes time and patience. Oh, Meaning, yeah. Those are, one is just a, a calendar issue. The other is an attitude. I, I'm going to have to be okay with time. And it feels like everything's a cheat code. Uh, I know you don't know what uh, Madden is, but it's a football game. It's a I, video I game. I think I had one of those on Did PlayStation you? back okay. in the day. I remember when the cheat code first came out where you didn't have to like undo a certain amount of things. You could just go get the best players. Just ABAB start, and it was Boom. a cheat code. And I just feel like that's what's going on with all the commercials and all of the financial products and credit cards. It's... It's giving people a cheat code, and they just feel like well, it's buy my no course, Ken. There's the cheat code. Buy my real estate course, and I'll show you how I right. got rich from. Ri right. It's all of that. Do you think that 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 um, younger generations aren't aware of the consequences, or they think there are no consequences? What do I you think, think they get so starry eyed by the potential of what could be that their risk meter is immediately shut yeah. down. Right. And. There's no convincing them at that point other than having to get to some rock bottom moment where yeah. they lose a bunch of money and get their butts handed to them and touch yeah. the hot stove for them to finally find our plan and go, that sounds appealing. A life of peace and freedom and margin and options and joy yeah. instead of this life of constantly chasing for more. And I've talked to some of these financial influencers out there, Ken. They've got $10 million, $20 million, and it's never enough. They're not at peace. Yeah. And I'm sitting here with my little pile of money, yeah. which is a lot to a lot of people. And I, they go, why are you so peaceful? And I go, well, I'm not chasing right. more. I'm content with where I'm at. Yeah. I have a vision for where I'm going. Right. I'm confident I'll get there. And I sleep easy at night. Yeah. All right. Besides buy now, pay later, which you've told me some crazy stuff. Like you can get a six pack of oh, yeah, Coke yeah. or something at Walmart or whatever it is. Put it on pack. payments. Right, what else really irritates you? A, oh, a trap or a trend right now where you get, you railed on it in the book. Give me a couple other fun things. I yeah. want to see you get angry. I, I did a whole chapter on investing traps and I, Ken, I, it was the longest chapter in the book. Okay, give me it one of these. It just kept going. Give me one of these investing traps that really upset you. Uh, gold is coming back. It's making a comeback now because of all the fear in the economy. They're going, well, gold's going to be our savior. Yeah. Except if the whole thing comes down, we go full I am legend. Yeah. Who's going to be trying to trade Ken for his gold? Yeah, well, what what you, you got fuel, yeah. you got ammo, you got food and water. I love this. Like so, if I've got if I've got a, a briefcase full of gold bullion, which I just love saying that bullion, I, I'm bullion. I don't even know what that is. Let's say I got a case of uh, of gold bars, and it's and and it's like it's I am legend, as you said. You might as well just keep cash in a week savings account. What at are that you point. trading for? Nothing. What's the gold get well, you? It's supposed a to be a hedge against porridge? inflation. That's what it is. A hedge against inflation. All right, so you don't Ken. like the gold one. What's another? Not one? a fan of gold. Uh, luckily, NFTs have completely died, but these non-fungible tokens where it was just a, a link that points to some treasure map. Okay, now we've gotten somewhere. From grifters. Our, our dear friend, Gary V. Oh, yeah. He's not actually a friend, and if he was, he wasn't yeah. a dear friend. I mean, but I've interviewed we've him. We've had him at events. I, I've hung out with him. I think he's a good guy. I just guy. hate when people say that, so I actually called myself out on that. Yeah. Uh, the guy went all in on NFTs. Uh, well, here's the thing. The people who... who Where's he at now? Who are saying that? NFTs are amazing were the ones selling them. Of course. He's a hype machine. Exactly. So where's he at on NFTs? Has he eaten crow? Has uh, he... Well, he made good money, but the people who bought those NFTs from Gary are probably yeah. going, oh, crap, I bought it for $200 and now it's worth zero. Right. So investing in digital art. Don't Not even call fan. it investing. It's speculation. It's betting. Love Same it. thing with crypto. All right. Yeah. What do you think comes out of crypto now where the big guy, Sam Bankman-Fried or whatever his name is, the guy's convicted. He's going to jail. 
What 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 happens next with uh, cryptocurrency in general, digital currency? I think it's going to be around for a long time. It will probably eventually be regulated, yes. just like other forms of currency. I would suggest and to it will you, lose its star power. It will, but I think it will be viable, but only after yeah. it's regulated. Agreed. And I still think you're going to be better off in the stock market with an S&P 500 fund and a mutual fund. All right. What another, give me something else you rail Oh, on. gosh. Whole life insurance is the new one, Ken. Have you heard about infinite banking? Infinite banking. It's this wild scheme. That's what they're calling yeah, it. Yeah. Permanent life insurance salesmen pitch this as this tax-free retirement plan where if you give me really high commissions and fees, that's the part they don't say. I'm putting words in their mouth. Right. For this terrible life insurance plan, you can use the savings account and you could borrow money from yourself with interest to then do infinite banking and it's tax free. It sounds as stupid as it is and that's about as simple as it gets. Right. Well, but here's what it's got all these like it's got a little misdirection in it. Oh yeah. Well, people love the idea of tax free and I'm going, "Have you heard of a Roth account?" Yeah, right. Well, here's that's the deal. Why would you borrow a, from yourself? Well, because you Does that make any you sense become at all? your own bank, Ken. I it's know, a genius scheme. But it's just stupid. While you while you're paying huge commissions and fees, why do you think these life insurance folks are pushing whole life and permanent insurance right. instead of term life insurance well they make way more money all right it. so let's dive into this why does it why does the sales pitch work because they're making lots of money on people fear grade pride all right let's break it. it down but let's 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 actually go x's and o's here okay all right so the pitch for whole life is it's going to do you have the insurance portion the death benefit and then there's this cash savings account attached to it which there's a lot of different forms of it. You can invest it. It can okay. be tied to a stock market index, right. all kinds of things. So the idea is this cash account piece can grow, and this is sort of the hack. Right. Is I can use this account. This is what the wealthy do, except I've never met a single wealthy person who said, right. oh, yeah, man, that whole life insurance was my ticket. Right. That's how I did but it. But how is that any different than a high-yield savings account, which Stacy and I have, and we have a lot of money parked into that high-yield savings account? Well, the difference is it's not it's not tax-free, Ken. The money you make becomes taxable income, and that's the, you know... Do you see my point, though? That's the pitch. Oh, yeah. So they're, 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 this is a sales technique that lulls you into going, this is a good move. That's oh, yeah. my point. How is it not? So you break that down. So you got to be able to walk through that. What are the questions people should be asking as they are constantly bombarded with these well traps. as they're usually being peddled on social media so always ask yourself who is this person what is the ulterior motive what is their vested interest in yeah. them pushing this exact product and when you go to their profile ken here's what they call themselves wealth strategist tax-free retirement expert those are red flags if you see that run far and run fast all right, I want to switch gears to the professional side of the journey, which has allowed you to make more money and then using your very disciplined, tortoise-style pace, get to where you are now as we've been talking. I want you to talk about your professional journey. How'd you move up? Because I think young people are very prone to job hopping as opposed to job climbing. Mm. You know, and, I, and what I mean by that is you were patient, you were very purposeful in what you were trying to do, and and I got to watch it. I got to be a part of it. You were but a great I, mentor. I for want me. people to hear your journey. How did you do it professionally? Well, first of all, it's something that's good to remember is that I I never asked for a raise. I never walked in. I was like, hey, I feel like I should get paid more. Instead, what I did was excel in whatever opportunity was in front of me. So I was an email marketing coordinator. That was my first full time position for two and a half years. Yeah. 
I just sort of stumbled into it. It wasn't the end game. Right. I just thought this is something I'm capable of doing. I have the skill set, have some experience in this. Right. And I convinced them. I got a foot in the door and went, I, I could do this. Right. Let me on full time. And so being faithful in what was in front of me was a key to getting to what was next. And many people forget that. Mm-hmm. I mean, we have quiet quitting happening where people are going, I'm just going to phone yeah. it in because who cares? And I have a toxic boss and nothing matters. Yeah. How do you think you're ever going to grow? Right. And also you're drinking your own poison by right. living like that. Right. Did you at this point have an eye on a public role? Because I know you're a musician. You're a very good musician. Did At this point, did you have any musings or any wonderings at this point about maybe a public role at Ramsey or somewhere else? No. All I right. never. I truly right, never so keep thought it was possible. Okay, I was just curious because it's going to make sense. It's good to, to know my first role here as an intern. I was excited to do. I was doing social media right. for one of our personalities. Yeah, that was. I was very attracted to. Wow, look at this person with right. something important to say, saying in a very creative way that connects with me personally okay. and connects that's, with millions of others. So that's the first time. Maybe it's a a bit of a light bulb. Yes. Okay. I was attracted to that, but I right. didn't see myself right capable or wanting like i was aiming that there was no strategizing when i get in the door good eight years from now i'm gonna be a personality that was not even that's good i want people to know that so now two and a half years as email marker let's move quickly through where do you go next then i moved into a role official was the first time uh, there was an official role for social media for personalities doing coordinator for that so you go that was a year for that all right then next then our friend christy wright launched business boutique i was doing a lot of email marketing social media for her in kind of this hybrid role but focused on that brand okay that was another year right and then i was sort of plucked and you're a part of this story i started hosting battle of the bands there was an opportunity yeah that i saw we do this fun team yep. building exercise where we all form cover bands and play right so i did that for three years i was in bands that's right then I found the hosting was a little lackluster, it to was. say the least. It, it was, was. kind of like any warm body who could transition while the we band set up. We shall not mention any names. They did what they could. Yeah. So I raised my hand and said, hey, I've been playing in the bands. I think there's a lot of opportunity to not only fill this in a non-awkward way, this hosting stuff, but I think we could bring something special to this yeah. and really have some fun and you know have some team bonding through making fun of whatever's going on. And so they finally gave me a shot. They yeah. said, all right, you can host this year. Yeah, and you did a great job. Thank you. Um, and this is not about me, but I'm just going to put in one little color commentary. I'm paying attention. And That's I'm right. going, and I'm very critical. Good Lord, am I critical when it comes to people on stage. I can't help That's it. That's true. You've been doing this for decades now. Yeah, but even if I wouldn't, I'd probably be like, that could have been done better. But anyway, so I'm sitting there, and all that to say, as a compliment to you, I'm going, George has got the chops. The guy's good. All right, so... We may have a couple little run-ins and fun hallway conversations. I say something, as I recall, yeah. but you keep raising your hand. So walk us through in the next one minute What now what that journey looks like. So uh, one of the my leader at the time came to me, and uh, he said, hey, we're going to this marketing conference, but I need you to take good notes as if it's for someone else. And I went, okay. He said, because it's going to be for someone else, because I want you to step into this role, filling in for the Ken Coleman who was hosting our live events, doing all the MC work, That's hosting right. the video I was, channel. I was about ready to move into full transition as a Ramsey personality. And so at that time, I was hosting a, a lot, 35 events, I think it was. Oh, at yeah. that time, it was maybe 40. It was crazy. The Entree Leadership Podcast, uh, the YouTube channel for the Dave Ramsey Show at the time. And so, boom, all of a sudden, now that becomes a possibility for you. And you attacked it. And I had no idea. It was such a shock to me. It wasn't this like I was kind of sneaking into the... <laughs> I didn't think I could just self-select and raise my hand. Right. Every single opportunity that I had here 
was not something that I like had to I fought for and went I believe in me. It yeah. was me just excelling what I was doing, right. seeking opportunities to show them what I was capable of yeah. and having people notice that. Yeah. And that takes good leadership as well. Let me call that out sure. for the leaders out there. Notice that stuff. That's Be right. looking around and yeah. call it out when you yeah. see it in people because that's empowering. Well, the thing I want the audience to hear, certainly young people, is that you were hungry. You were like, I want a shot. And they gave you the shot. You made the most of it. And exactly. so then you're hosting. You you'd literally step into the role that I was in. Yeah. And then how much longer before now the opportunity comes for you to step up to the big leagues in the sense of now you are going to be a content provider? Yeah. That was a big shift. I did the hosting role for four years. Four years. I was hosting all of our live events. I was hosting the Ramsey Show video channel yeah. during the breaks. I then went, hey, I think we could do a narrative podcast. I've got this idea for the student loan thing Yeah, called Borrowed Future. Right. So I spearheaded that podcast, hosted that podcast. By the way, that was a great success. Yeah, it was amazing really was. to see the feedback from that. And I, I felt something different hit where I went, I can, cr I can not only carry something, yeah. but I can bring something to it of my own. Yeah. So from there, it was, we have the Ramsey education curriculum. We want you to be the host. And I brought everything I could to that to make it yep. to make it connect with the students watching, to bring humor to that, bring life to that. Then it was, hey, let's do the fine print, which was my first foray into my own narrative podcast series. And by the start of fine print, I had been knighted personality because they had seen me live out the plan. That's right. Seen me go... He believes in the stuff so much, he's naturally trying to tell people about it, naturally finding what yes. creative ways to deliver this content, we see something in him to where he can take this next step. And yeah. so that was 2019 I or 2021. Was it? It was 2021 where no I stepped kidding. into a full-blown personality role. Oh, I thought it was sooner than that. All it right. felt sooner, but yeah, it was, yeah. so I was- You were I on mean, the edges. It Here's, wasn't this like six months in a row and I jumped ship. It was that's, a long time focused on one thing yeah. and getting a little bit more rope yeah. as time went on. I, I want to give you the final word on this. So your financial journey and your professional journey very similar in that you were intentional while being patient both took time but both yielded great success mm. what do you say to people who are going oh, okay i get it but i just feel like i can't wait or it's too late for me i appreciate this george but i've already gone out and blown it mm. i've already gone out and racked up a bunch of debt I went and got a degree that I can't use. Whatever. They're just frustrated. They think it makes sense, but they don't think it's possible for them. What do you tell them? Well, number one, there's hope for you yet. Number two, it's not too late. And number three, it's always going to take longer than you think, and it's going to be so much more difficult than you think, and the path will never be a straight line. Right. You'll always end up there and go, that was amazing. To where Now, I'm a person of faith, so I truly believe like that was God's hand on me going like, you're too dumb to figure this out for yourself, yeah, right. but let me guide you in a way right. where you just look back and say, right. that couldn't have been all George. Right. Because he's not capable with his own strength. And so that was a huge part of it. But for so many people, because let me be clear, I've had my frustrations. Sure. Even here in different roles and that yeah. people not seeing something in me and me wanting to fight for it. And oh, I know. Sometimes I haven't approached it in the best way. Well, there was that awkward moment where I found a voodoo doll of me in your desk drawer. And boy, we had to Come work on, through Ken. that. That was tough. That yeah, was a that dark was, time. Boy, that me. was a dark moment. But, I kid, I kid. Sure. But, but there, I mean, it is, it is frustrating. I don't want people Here's to think it was all roses and gumdrops. Is it worth it? Oh, absolutely. Financially? Absolutely. Is it worth it professionally? I wouldn't change a thing. Through all the struggle, I and you know this because you've had similar frustrations in your career journey, Yeah. it strengthens you yeah. and it it makes it to where there's nothing that can stop you because of how much 
had to be overcome. Nothing was just handed to us on a silver platter. There was so much that we had to fight for behind the scenes, things we had to do behind closed doors, skills, experiences, training, being coachable, uh, being able to grow and look at yourself with self-awareness and go, yeah, I can see that. Here's my pitfalls. Here's where I'm going to grow. And then time. Yeah. Time plus effort Mm -hmm. is undervalued in today's society. Yeah. And so I think if everyone can just go, hey, it's going to take a little longer. Hang on. Yeah. Don't give up. Yeah. Hang on. It may be another year or two, and it might be a little more slog, a little more side hustle, yeah. but you're going to get to where you want to go. But the key is if you give up, you lost your shot. Yeah. Well, I got to tell you, it's been fun to watch your rise and you're crushing it on all the socials. You're going to do so much to help so many people. The new book is absolutely fantastic. Breaking free from broke. This is, you'll appreciate this. This is the David Letterman moment. Remember, oh, we used to do that. What an honor. With the bad cuticle over the book, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Just a little have, fun reference could have sharpened for you. Up those nails. He could have. I mean, for heaven's sakes, would it have killed him to get a little touch up right before the show? Uh, but you've you've done an incredible job of staying focused, being faithful to what it is that you want to accomplish personally, financially, and professionally. And I've been able to watch that, and um, I'm I'm proud to know you, proud to say that I'm your friend, and um, and I think you're going to continue to help so many people because you've actually lived it. So many people in the financial space are just gaming the system. They got good videos. They're catchy. They got all kinds of little formulas that bring people in like, you know, moth to a flame. But you actually have done it. You're the real deal. And I'm so, so happy that you came on the show. It's taken forever, but uh, you're here and uh, a lot of people are going to be helped by this. So thanks, pal. I appreciate it, man. It's an honor to be uh, with you on your show. And you've been such an incredible mentor to me behind the scenes, things people will never know, the conversations you had, the way you've encouraged me. So you mean a lot to me as well. I appreciate Thank that. You. One thing I need to confess, that while I am uh, that older friend and, and whatever to George, I, I'm deeply jealous of his beard. Uh, I have, I no could not. No one's ever said that. Well, I, I needed to finally confess it. If I tried to grow a beard, I'd look like a dog with me. And, That's uh, a visual I can't get out of my head. Yeah, I thought it would be appropriate to end on that very positive. That means a lot. Well, you've been a fashion icon for me <laughs> as well. So thank, we're both yes. jealous of each we other. We actually hang out together uh, every other Friday night, and we just sit and talk in our just bomber jackets. That's all yeah. we do. We just put on these fun little jackets, and we it's a bromance. Little jackets is yeah. key there. There it Thanks, is. Thanks, Ken. George's new book is available for pre-sale. Here it is, Breaking Free from Broke, The Ultimate Guide to more money and less stress. And I know that that's an appealing outcome for so many people. So get it right now at RamseySolutions.com. You can pre-order it. And hey, if you enjoyed this conversation and enjoy this channel, will you help us by liking the video, subscribing, and sharing? We'll be back soon.